At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans, this one's for you. Put your hands up, This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. Apostles. Pac-12 Athletic Directors. We're considering a move to the Big Ten, but it got kibosh. This is great news. How to save the Pac-12, according to Stu Mandel. We'll break that down. Why aren't there more black coaches in college basketball in the Pac-12? Sabrina Ionescu has a tweet that goes viral. Transfer quarterbacks may be leading the way in the Pac-12 in 2021, and the NFL draft is upon us. How will the Pac-12 do? I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. So thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles podcast, the podcast by Pac-12 for Pac-12 fans, where you get the truth. And you guys can, of course, text and get a hold of us, uh, 818-293-7547, 818-293-7547. Make sure that you share the podcast, tell a friend about the podcast, share it, all those kinds of things. You know, to continue it to grow. Um, and uh, I guess we'll start with uh, Ralph because everybody always wants the Ralph updates. What's going on with the with the money pit? Because you were supposed to watch the movie and I know you haven't watched it yet. I have not watched it yet. And I, I feel good about my decision to not watch it. Let me let me just get a little distance in between me and what's going on. Um so on Tuesday, I had my pool pump and pool filter replaced. 
Uh, that was that was five thousand dollars. Spent another couple hundred on chemicals to to shock all the algae out of it. And then I got a quote from a landscaper just to tidy up the front, so we're not the ugliest house on the block. He said two thousand dollars, so <laughs> I went out and I did it all myself. Uh, <laughs> so so um, how much money did that cost you to do it yourself? I mean, like in in Ralph work hours, like how much money did that cost you? Well, you, you know, I don't have the healthiest relationship with with money or, or 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 knowing what my time is worth. But I figure if I drop about three hours a day, two and a half to three hours a day, then I can save us a ton of money and just doing a lot of the stuff around here myself. We got popcorn ceilings. I'm going to scrape those myself. We got molding from room to room that doesn't match in size or design. I'm going to replace all that myself. I'm a painter. I, my dad's a painter. And so like I, I grew up working with him. I'm going to paint this whole house myself. That should save us some money. I'm going to do all the floors myself, which I have no idea how to do. I might fly a couple of friends out here who do some some floors. I know that that's going to be $10,000 just in materials. And so who decides to do their floors them themselves? Who the hell are you, Bob Vila? <laughs> well, no, I'm not. So it should. I'm curious to see how it ends up uh, looking. But I, I've been doing all sorts of stuff, man. I took a bunch of they, – they had like – um, this is a 1970s home, so any doorway that didn't have like the in-wall door that slides out, or like a cheap interior door, had the uh, had like the sliding closet um, doors, like the metallic ones. So I've been going around taking all those off, just trying to stay busy, man. This place is uh, this place is a mess. As long as we have water and electricity, the next thing I, I need to get an electrician out here because I'm a hundred percent sure I'm going to electrocute myself. If I, if, if I, if I get too deep in the weeds with anything here, but I still got some of their stuff. I still have to get a, a dumpster dropped off because all of their stuff that they left in the home, I've just piled into the garage. So we can't use the garage yet. Um, and then I'm actually working from their dining room table that they left here um, next well, to a giant so. hutch that they also left here. Thanks so I got to get them. those hauled out too. Yeah. And, and didn't you carry a piano upstairs or something? I got about 300 calls from my cousin and a bunch of calls from my wife telling me not to do it. So I, the pods that dropped off all our stuff still had a piano in them. I didn't have anybody to help me lift the piano into the house. So I was going to go on, um, on Facebook marketplace and just offer somebody 50 bucks to show up and help me carry it. And I spaced it. And so a few hours before the pods were supposed to get picked up, I was like, I got to get that piano. My wife's grandmother's piano that she learned to play on. I got to get it out of the, uh, out of the pod. And so um, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to try to do this myself. I'll find a way to leverage it. I'll be super careful. You uh, have three boys there. Yeah, but they're still, you know, they're, they're, they're skinny as toothpicks. And, and I, my, my, my biggest, uh, I have a five foot six, one hundred pound, twelve year old. I don't think he would be much help trying to lift a piano. Um, it, he's still not coordinated yet. So, uh, I, so what I ended up doing was I, I, uh, one of those floor dollies. Um, I was able to scoot the piano out of the pod onto one of those and roll it into the garage without breaking it. So I didn't carry it up the stairs by myself. It's just in the garage with blankets over it. And when my wife gets here in a couple of weeks, we'll figure it out. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do as much as I can, man. Just a little bit every day. There is so much to do, though. I, what I do know is I'm not going to pay somebody $2,000 just to tidy up the front. I'm not, I, 
I'm going to start doing a lot of stuff that uh, instead of paying other people, I'm going to do as much as I can. And if it ends up looking ugly, I, I'll still know that uh, ugly, ugly and uh, and enough money to buy food is better than perfect and broke, in, in my opinion. Okay. So do you think that I would pay somebody $2,000 to do the job that they offer to do? No, no, I don't think so. Not if you saw this. It's it, oh, it, it was that's what that's what I was going to say. I will pay money for things, but I'm not pay. I if if something I'm funny about stuff like that. So if something costs two thousand dollars, right? But yeah. I'm getting two thousand or more in value, then then I have no problem paying for it. If something costs one dollar and I'm only getting ten cents in value, I won't buy it. Like if something costs 10, yeah. 10 cents and I'm getting one cent in value, I'll be like, oh no, that's way too much. <laughs> I, that's me. I, I don't, I just don't think, I, I think he intentionally bid himself out of the job. I think he bid so much that it would give me no option to say no, but like a $30 pair of shears and seven hours of my time yeah, accomplishes the same goal. So yeah. I went and got the $30 pair of shears. I put half a day's work in today. I'll do the rest tomorrow. Uh, heading to Atlanta this weekend to see some uh, prospects at at, at uh, Rivals Camp. So we'll get a nice break from housework, uh, driving down to Atlanta to see some of the best kids in the Southeast. Um, and since some of the Pac-12 schools are actually recruiting out here, it might actually uh, help improve our podcast a little bit. Who'd have thought? Right, right. Um, and then I'll be at some of the other camps because my kid will be there. So uh, like on the West Coast, where ordinarily I don't go to camps. But I am so now just just from one year to the next, because you're the person who normally knows all the high school prospects. And now my kid is at school with at least 15 kids who are going to be division one prospects, at least 15. And then and some of them are going to go to Pac-12 schools. And then he's at these camps. He works out with the kids. So, like, I've seen uh finn collins i've been to finn collins house like i've you know like just front who's at arizona state now the uh the uh kid that's going from inglewood that's going to go uh to a cow i've been around him a lot like because he works out with my with my son so just seeing all of them and seeing all these quarterbacks especially like and my and my kid, he knows all of them. He's like, oh yeah, I was t- texting him yesterday, and it's just weird. So now I know their names, I know their faces. I'm like, ah, this kid's good. This kid's not good. Um, like for instance, the kid M- Malik Murphy here, who's going to Texas, right? He's a five star kid. He is five star in talent alone. Like if you watch his games this season, you would be like, that. There's no way that's five star kid. No way. But he looks the part. He's got a big arm. Something right. Sometimes he, that's all that matters. Yeah, he looks the part. But then when you watch the film, you're kind of like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. So, but that's high school coaching sometimes. So you don't know what's what's what. So we'll see what happens when he gets to to Steve Sarkisian at uh, Texas. Um, but I guess first thing is the Pac-12 athletic directors. We had Washington State's Pat Chun and Cal's Jim Knowlton. They recently interviewed for the Northwestern vacancy. 
but they're not now no longer candidates for the job. But my thing is, if I think that, albeit North Northwestern is a tremendous at athletic uni university and academic, well, actually more academic, and their last athletic directors have gone on to like major, major jobs, like dope ass jobs. But the idea that Washington State and Cal's athletic director could possibly see that as a job upgrade, right? I mean, gee, there's a difference between a geographic upgrade and a like somebody seeing that that's a better job. I think that that's bad for the Pac-12 if they potentially feel like that's a better job because Cal and Northwestern, I think, are on par academically. Cal's got, you know, connections and network, all of that stuff. And it's in California, whereas Washington State is in Pullman. So I kind of get it a little bit more. Do you think that that's, I mean, I think for Rob Cassidy, who works for Rivals, always um, puts this in, in, in a way that uh, makes me laugh because it's definitely not the way that I'm motivated. But I understand the practicality of it. He says, like, I – let me see if I can get this right. Basically, like, if you are going to pay me one red cent more than what I'm currently getting paid to do the job that I'm already doing, I'm taking that job. Like, I'm, what? There, there's no there's no reason for me to not take the additional income to do the same job that I'm already doing. There's just, there's just not, That's especially stupid. when you factor in if there's not going to be like a big tax change or cost of living change. If ultimately the net income is higher to do the job that you're already doing, then that's a job worth considering. And I think that, you know, that's not my mindset, but I, I would certainly understand it if, you know, if it wasn't necessarily about prestige, if they went into it, looking at it to see if it was more about fit and who knows, ultimately, maybe they just weren't the right candidates for Northwestern and it wasn't about them turning it down or, or removing their names. Same with Kansas, because I had also heard Pat Chun's name linked to the uh, the vacant um, Kansas athletic director job. Um, but I mean, I, I, I fully see I, I would fully understand it if somebody was just taking the job because it's a job they already do. And at the end of the day, it's going to add to their bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree. It's going to add to their bottom line but the but see this is what college coaches used to do though right they would chase the money like they'd be like okay well i'm getting paid more here i know of coaches now who have turned down significant upgrades like like for instance um gerald alexander who's now with the dolphins right he turned down usc two years ago USC offered him more money, $100,000 more. He was like, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to stay up here at Cal. And it's not because he he clearly didn't think he was going to be a Cal forever because he's now with the Dolphins. But the idea of moving your family around, because he's got three, three boys and now a girl. But at that point in time, he only had three boys. Moving your family around so many times and creating instability just chasing jobs 
he was like that that's what him and a lot of the other coaches talk about now is not just chasing jobs, making sure it's the right job to where you can grow, have more opportunity, and also be with the head coach that you feel like you can learn from, which then will thereby help you be more successful when you get your opportunity. And clearly it seems like learning from Justin Wilcox was better than learning from Clay Helton because his assistants haven't seemingly gone on to, you know, you know, bigger and better jobs. Yeah. If it's, if it's about the ultimate end goal for what you're trying to accomplish in your career, but I would think that there's definitely some stark differences between your run of the mill assistant coach at the college football level and an athletic director who, you know, who's probably um, not a millennial <laughs> as yeah. far as, as far as their, their age um, and, and probably has, you know, a healthy 401k and, and, you know, and uh, I, you know, what, what, if you're, if you're in your fifties and sixties, what ultimately are you trying to accomplish, trying to you know, build, build something, right? So Washington state is competitive in the PAC 12 in football, right? Yes. Like they're they're not an upper tier program. They're clearly not the worst program. Um, but they only generated seventy one million dollars in revenue in twenty nineteen. Seventy one. That's bottom of the conference. And then Oregon State at eighty two million when pretty much like most schools were a hundred million plus. You got, you know, Texas, Alabama uh going at two hundred million. And the Big Ten schools are super high up because of the the new TV money. So maybe Pat Chun, who's actually hired pretty well at Washington State, right? For uh, in football, especially he he got Leach, and then he just got Rolovich. Things seem to be going going well. Uh, uh, Knowlton over at Cal, he. Um, what did he do? Yeah, he hired Wilcox. Clearly whiffed on the basketball coach, but I that the idea that they could go somewhere and have more resources and do more, I think that that's worth potentially worth more than even money, and that that could be what the Pac-12's actual problem is is that is that the the lack of resources comparatively to other schools is the issue. You're not, I mean, you're not wrong. I I think at the end of the day, what is the direct impact for the, for the PAC 12 here that they retain all of the athletic directors that are in place. So we're, we're, we're just saying that it's addition by non-subtraction. These are both that you think these are both programs that are being managed appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, w- I would think so. I mean, look at. OK. Um, actually, I'm I think pull- the, not breaking the bank for Mike Leach, I think, was the the right thing to do. Um, moving on from him or allowing him to move on and replacing him with Nick Rolovich, I think, was. Wise, I do like what Cal is doing and building. They've had to have a lot of transition underneath 
Justin Wilcox, but they seem to have found a coach who is satisfied, not looking to um, – Justin Wilcox doesn't strike me as somebody who's overly – ambitious or looking to the next thing. I think he's a really good fit there. I think he's working within Cal's limited financial means for the time being. Um, but I, you know, I'm judging both of these programs on, on football alone right now. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's always good to, it's always a good feeling to know that somebody had the option to go somewhere else and didn't take it. Right. But yeah. Oh, know, oh, for sure. For sure. Sometimes, sometimes it's the right move because if they if if they do have a wandering eye and you want to bring somebody in who maybe has a a, a fresh outlook and, and a full dedication to what it is that you're trying to build. Yeah, like look at the if you look at the athletic department revenue from 2018 2019 because obviously 2019 2020 was thrown off. Um, Texas was at 223 million, 223 and. And my, my, mind you, we don't have numbers for USC or for Stanford, but we know Stanford's not going to be up there. U, USC, potentially, right? Uh, but the highest Pac-12 team on the list was at 133. And that was Washington at number 23. And then Oregon at uh, 26, at 127. Arizona State, uh, no, I'm sorry. Oregon was at 26 at 127. And then Arizona State was at 27 at 121, and then UCLA all the way down at 35 at 108, and then followed by Arizona, then Utah, and all, all of that. So you have a few teams under 100 million where you look at the Big Ten schools, they're significantly like you in the top 10, you have uh, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State all in the top 10. And then you in the Big 12, you got Oklahoma and Texas. And then the SEC, you got Texas A&M number one, Georgia number – well, sorry, Texas A&M two, Georgia number five, Alabama number seven, and then Florida and LSU round out the top ten. So I think that that's a problem when you look at resources for the conference. Like that's got to be the biggest thing. And then that led us to Stu Mandel's article where he wrote an article about saving the Pac-12, like how to save the Pac-12, because I think the biggest issue is a perception problem, right? Because um, he asked one of the kids in the article, think, you know, why did you, some of the kids who left the footprint to go to other schools, uh, why they they left and one of them said that oh because i'm trying to go to the league and i'm trying to go to the college football playoff but then when you look at the nfl draft picks from 2011 to 2020 aside from the sec you take the sec out of it the acc which has 14 teams has had 360 picks 50 first rounders the Big Ten, 359 and 45. The Pac-12, 323 and 44, which has the least, which has less teams. And then the Big 12 at 226 and 33. But we're sitting here talking about the Pac-12 does not have as many uh, draft picks. It's, it's or, or that you can't go to the league. So that sounds like a perception problem to me, Ralph. Yeah, it's a perception problem, but like there are concrete issues that we can't we can't ignore 
the Pac-12 gets less money and is available in less homes and has to combat with the thing that I'm brand new to, not being on at a reasonable hour for where, you know, 65% of the country actually lives. Yep. So how are you going to feel with the Pac-12 games finishing at 2 a.m. when when your alma mater, Arizona State, finishes at 2 a.m. playing against Oregon State? It's going to be more – I mean, it's going to be more of the same for me. It, I'm up that late anyway um, because of, you know, for for the longest time I was at these games, covering these games, yeah. not getting home until 3, 4 in the morning. It's, it sucks. Right. Like it's, it's, it's not a lot of fun. And I, you know, when, when they talk about wanting to get more visibility, so that's why they have these late kickoffs. Visibility isn't necessarily quantified. Like you should be looking at the actual impact of having a captive audience, not being on in empty bars and counting that as viewers. Yes. And yes. so I don't know. I just See, I think it's in no go. On. No, I just I I think that the perception problem is going to continue to exist so long as you can't be seen. Well, that's why I think that when 2024 comes along, the Pac-12 has to get on CBS being that uh the SEC's leaving CBS. I think that that was one of their biggest draws right which was to think think about how this whole thing is played played out where you had people like clay travis talking about oh the espn's the mainstream media that they're uh it's so liberal stop watching them that they're going broke which which wasn't true right now they have bought the media rights to the sec so all the people that he was pandering to now have to go to their channel go to their channel and stay there all the time to watch their stuff you know what i mean so like right. it's almost so they have then bought their way out of whatever pe- people are going to say because the sec is is god in the in the in uh in that part of the country so and, and football, I'm sorry, football is God in that part of the country. It's their most important thing over over church. So they will then be indoctrinated into whatever um, ESPN is p- putting out and pushing. So they made a move there. Right. But now but you have to have cable to have it or pay for their streaming service on to be able to access some of the content. So now. The Pac-12 can move to CBS, which is basic television. And anybody who has Paramount Plus, you're on there too. So you can watch football. That, I think, is the most important key, uh, which is being available. And then the second thing is you have to win your non-conference matchups and bowl games, like your biggest ones. Like, And, and that, that doesn't mean when... Oregon State beats plays a, a Ohio State like they did a couple years ago that they need to win that game because they don't. But when you have Oregon play Auburn, they needed to win that game. They lost it at the end. This year you got Washington playing Michigan, Oregon playing Ohio State, and then you have to win your bowl games because over the last four years the Pac-12 is eight and seventeen, eight and seventeen over. Hey. As Larry Scott says, 
as Larry Scott says, it's better to have appeared in a bowl and lost than to have not appeared in a bowl. No, he said he said it was better to have nine teams appear in a bowl a and couple years back eight. than to actually win those bowl games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's saying it would better be nine nine teams go one and eight, which I think they went that year, two and seven, and then <laughs> then have like six teams go and go six and zero. Oh. All right, all right. <laughs> make it make it make sense. So and then you can't have Stanford go play UCF and get absolutely boat raced like they did in twenty nineteen, and uh, then UCLA. Granted, they were in a rebuilding phase, but, and you can accept the Oklahoma loss, but not the Cincinnati loss or, you know, the conference can't be losing to fucking San Diego state. And, and then you can't have <laughs> USC going and four against Notre Dame, uh, USC and Stanford go and four against Notre Dame in the last couple years. Like it, it's just, you can't have it happen. Like those are the, I think that that's the beginning of the problems. I get, I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I, I I feel bad. The San Diego State thing, everybody in the Pac-12. You might as well just bring San Diego State into the mix. No, no, don't, don't do that. Don't be one of them people, Ralph. So what your, your solution to not losing to San Diego State every single year is to just stop losing? Yes. That's... Yes. Why didn't I think of that? I mean, dude, dude, that's like that's like saying what what is your solution to to not waking up on time? Set an alarm. Set two alarms. Like do something else. Like you can't <laughs> like those are games that you have to win. But most importantly, most importantly, we've said it and we haven't said it in months upon months, which is the Pac-12 needs to have a FU attitude. That okay. it needs to have a, a and it needs to have an FU attitude about football. So that means that it's gonna have to say FU to other people in the conference and be like, nope, we're fixing football. Football is king. Uh, oh, well, it's not fair. So what? So what? That's that's what I'm saying. Like it's gotta have the FU attitude. Like, stop trying to pacify everybody. Oh, let's make sure that everything is equal and right. No. The 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 equality for all the other sports comes with their funding, which football funds and basketball funds. So take care of football and then everybody else gets more. The this is the NCAA is the only place that trickle down economics works even a little bit. Which is is a university. If if Oregon were to generate two hundred and thirty million dollars, uh, uh, like Texas did, guess who's gonna have some new dope ass stuff? The damn acrobatics team. They're gonna, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like the uh, the the uh, crew team. They might get something else. The band is gonna get you know new cushions. For the for the but like you know it trickles down in college. It's not real life, right? Because of Title Nine. So, dude, like, and that's where Larry Scott screwed up. Is that he was a tennis dude? 
He thought he could come over there and just, you know, everything was going to be equal and we're going to find a way to make all these things important. No, football is most important. So when it comes to paying salaries, the average head coach salary in the SEC is $5.6 million. The Pac-12 is the least with $3.5 million. And even bigger than that is the assistant pool salary. The average assistant pool salary in the SEC, 6.2. In the Big Ten, 4.8. ACC, 4.6. Big 12, 4.4. And then the Pac-12, 3.9. And you wonder why a dude like Coach K, Coach Kiewitowski, or however you say it, leaves Washington being their defensive coordinator to go to uh, Texas and double his salary. I wonder why. So what's your number what's your number one thing that they could do tomorrow to to fix the Pac-12, save the Pac-12, set the Pac-12 up for success? What would be the one thing for you that it all boils down to? Do you need to adopt the WWF attitude era? Like I was watching uh there's this uh documentary on Stone Cold Steve Austin on A&E. It just came out. And I and I was a huge wrestling fan, and I knew he was important, but I didn't realize that he's probably the most important wrestler that the WWF w, slash WWE has ever had. That he ushered in that Attitude Era, where you know, because he started off as like stunning, stunning uh, Stone Cold, and or stunning Steve Austin, and that wasn't him. He had to adopt the like, yo, like. And then all the other wrestlers followed suit and were like, yo, this is who I am. This is my personality. This is my gimmick. I'm rolling with it full full speed. And so I think that changing the mentality is probably most important because in anything else in life, right, you have to change your mentality before you can change any anything else. And I think the same is true at the Pac-12, that the mentality has to go first. And then you have to put football first as your agenda. And then you have to find a way to get more available. Availability over money in the short term. So those are that those are my uh so that's my platform. That's how I'm running for Pac-12 commissioner. I think for me, it's it, you have the tools there for the Pac-12 network, but I think you have to make a sharp turn away from live sports into essentially propaganda promoting the athletes first and foremost. I think you use the tools that you have available to you and the schools that are affiliated with you to bring as many journalism students on board with the overall conference coverage as possible. And you use the network to tell the stories of your current athletes of your current coaches and of your alumni. And you use that to differentiate yourself from the rest of everything else that's out there. That if you come here, we will use our media arm to prepare you to put you out essentially like this is who I am. You know, if there are any companies out there that, that, that feel like I can help your brand, like, let's get on top of that and 
the same goes for the same goes for just like social media presence. Right now, the the Pac-12 website is stripped down to bare bones because they laid everybody off, and so they're just aggregating. I talked to Andrew Haubner about this. They're just aggregating what all the team sites are putting out through their own uh, sports information um, directors, and they're just linking to it. So media coverage of the Pac-12 from the Pac-12 itself is at an all-time low. Yeah. Which you had a person in charge of running an entire network to make sure that that wouldn't happen. So now you're not only falling behind in money and visibility, but you're falling behind in your ability to promote your own athletes. Yep. That's like, that's a recipe for absolute destruction. And um, yeah, so that, that, that would be my number one priority. Yeah. If you can't promote your own self, then Yeah. Like, do you know how Apple Music does those curated playlists? Like, they'll get two or three celebrities every single day to say, here are the 20 songs that I'm listening to. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's absolutely no reason why you can't get Aaron Rodgers to be like, hey, here are my five favorite Pac-12 quarterbacks right now. Yeah. And then, do you know what the craziest part about all of that is? Is that then you're preparing for name, image, and likeness. Right. And like because it's coming. So if and players know if you build their brand, then that's going to help you recruit on the West Coast. It's going to help you recruit. And then the other part that that I thought that Stu was really right about in his article on The Athletic is you have to be a a a crazy person outside in the world pushing expansion in the college football playoff. You have to, because until you get your other problem fixed, you must fix your access. Like you cannot let them keep leaving you out. So in technically every major conference should have a rep. If you're going to have five major conferences and it's ultimately a college football playoff and you added championship games, why would you not? Why would you yep. not include the winner of a conference in an ultimate college football playoff? Exactly. It's it's insanity. Every other division does this. I think I, you give the number one and number two team in the country, and I know that there's some people who want eight. I want eight. The eight would be fine. But it, it would be completely feasible to me to give the number one and the number two team in the country, the number one and the number two team in the country, get a first-round buy. Just like how NFL playoffs have worked in in the opening round um, for the longest time. And I know that they've been switched up recently, and I'm not sure I fully even grasp. I'm always for more football. Um, But for the longest time, it was six teams of the top four played each other. uh, Or the the bottom four played each other while the top two got a week off. See, I don't like that because I want upsets. Like, I want to have the number one team in the country, if it's Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Oregon, Oklahoma, whoever it is, I want them playing against Cincinnati. I want them playing against UCF because one of these times, it ain't going to happen every time, but one of these times, they're going to absolutely get upset. Oh, well, well, but, you would but have, what if they you blow would be, them out? It, that's what's happening more likely. 
it would be more likely if you always said, hey, the FCS gets one team, or not FCS, the group of five. Group of five gets one team into the college football playoff every single year, just one. And you always made them the sixth seed and you had them face off against the three, then the likelihood of there actually being some form of upset is a lot greater than if you just roll one through eight and stick them at the bottom, which is where well, they would be. Well, the the issue with six is is that sometimes the best teams in the like the like two of the best teams in the nation are from the same conference. Right. So I think that you have to have at least you know those two at large bids. So you get the five power five champions. Yeah. Who get the who get the one to five seeds, and then you have the two power five. Then you have the two at large bids plus the highest ranked non power go oh, high highest ranked group of five team and they get that that uh an automatic bid as well so i guess my question would be what happens with notre dame every single year would they, they be the one would they knock a group of five out or would they no 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 no, no. they can they can take one of the at-large bids okay yeah i'm for it it's more it's more football but i that actually helps the notre dame I love the idea of the top group of five team being involved in the mix. I absolutely love it. And I, I really, really like the idea of all five power conferences guaranteeing that they at least have one team um, be, be part of the action. I think that that's fantastic. Um, while we're at it, expand bowl games to be available to everyone because they're essentially meaningless anyway. Yeah. Um, Oh no! Oh God! No, Ralph! No! 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 Oh, bowl games for everybody? No, bowl participation trophies? Absolutely not. Do what you, do you think the Las Vegas Bowl is now? What do you think the New Mexico Bowl is dude, now? Just what do you think the two? You might as well just is? add in a regular season game where you can schedule whoever you want, like that. That way, t- because the bowl games, the best part about the bowl games for the coaches is not the actual bowl game. It's the bowl practice for the younger players, like so. Right, so make it available. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is it makes it a lot easier to get some of these teams out of the basement. It might be the only thing that actually slows down transfer culture, both in the and it would put everybody on the same schedule as far as hirings and firings of coaches. If you got everybody, think about everything that would be helped if you got everyone on the same schedule of like how you know like NBA free agency starts on on um you know like june 15th or whatever like it it there's a start date for it so like free agency for college coaches and assistants you could get everybody on the same page if everybody was playing through a certain date i am all for expanding bowl availability to everybody even if it's a toilet bowl even if it's two one and ten teams who just agree that hey we need 15 more practices we we want to make sure that we stick to a nationwide calendar of when coaches are allowed to actually jump from school to school or interview from job to job um, so that we can get a little bit of a handle on how crazy the transfer culture has become and how many kids get screwed over by the fact that coaches jump to a new job the day after signing day. We, you, the, I, I think that everything should be – I think that they should be working to get ahead of problems instead of just watching things get more and more out of control. And so if you had a coaching free agency and interview period before signing day – 
so that everybody is going to kind of land where they're going to land. And then you move into a two week period of recruiting in which the late signing day happens. Um, then maybe there'd be more focus on the late signing day instead of the early signing day. And we'd go back to go back to normal a little bit. So, so kids would actually know it's okay if I wait to sign because I'm not going to know who my coaches are. Otherwise it puts some power yeah. back in the hands of the kids. And that, and that way it just keeps everybody because it, Getting everybody that extra practice time, I think, will make the product better overall. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift. And danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Yeah, I really yeah. do. And so yeah. I, I don't know. You might hate the idea. And of course, you're not going to watch one in 10 FAU against, you know, two and nine Kent State. You're not going to watch that. But those kids and those programs could get better and you could work to keep everybody on the same schedule, which is, I think, one of the biggest needs for college football right now on the whole is just to not have teams finish super early and have those coaches be able to look for jobs while super successful teams can't have their coaches out in the marketplace because they're still trying to focus six weeks after somebody else season ended on the bowl game that they have coming up. You know what? That feels more like amateur athletics. So I actually like that idea. I don't, I don't hate that idea, Ralph. I, I think that that's actually reason, reasonable. It's we should have like a noise or a chime every time I talk you into something. <laughs> that'd be, this would be like the third time we ever used it. <laughs> um, yeah. So there was some super interesting um, news and a quote from Kyle Whittingham, head coach at Utah. And I think it surprised Ralph. He was like, yo, I didn't realize that. This was so. So here is what Kyle Whittingham had to say. 
we're used to having a chip on our shoulder. That's what we. That's how we succeeded before we got in the Pac-12. I mean, we had a, had that same mentality, and and uh, if people want to overlook us, that's great. Uh, you know, we've been able to. We've been in the league ten years, and we've been able to win the South three of those ten years, which is I think tied for the most of anybody in the in the South. And so, we feel that in two of the last three years, we've uh, we've won the South, and so we feel that uh, we're getting some traction in this league, and we're going to be able to compete at a high level. And and uh, you know, the one thing is is uh, in the ten years we've been in the league. There's only three teams that have won the entire Pac-12, and they're all from the North. It was, you know, Oregon, Stanford, and Washington have traded off winning the winning the title. So it's about time for the for the South to, to win one. And you know, we our mentality is why not us? So Ralph, something stood out to you in that, huh? There was a couple of things. Well, first of all, I just like the attitude um, of him saying, "Look, we we've been in the league ten years. We won the South three times. If you want to overlook us, like." that good that's to our advantage that's how we've won the south three different times um he said you know what so i think winning two out of the last three years shows we're getting some traction in this league um but the thing that stood out to me that i i don't know if it just i had spaced it but he said that since utah has been in the pac-12 only three teams have won the pac-12 and that's split between Stanford, Washington, and Oregon. No Pac-12 South team has won a Pac-12 championship in the last decade. And I don't know if it slipped my mind, but I, I, I just kind of realizing this information for the first time listening to Kyle Whittingham talk just now. Yeah, dude. If, like, if you really think think about it, the only teams – that have won the conference in the last 10 years have been Oregon a few times, like three, three or four times. Uh, Stanford has won. And then you had Washington win once, right? Like so, or, or Washington won twice, either, either way. Like, it's been completely dominated. Like every time that they get in a PAC 12 championship, you already know what's happening. You already know what's happening in the championship game. So, um, wait, is it, how, how about the year that USC, the, the, the year that USC and Sam Darnold, how, how about that year? I'm gonna have to look that up. I'm gonna have to look that up. Cause yeah, I mean, they weren't under sanctions or anything. Like they were done with that by that time. Right. Yeah. So yeah, no, you okay, so USC won the championship in 2017. I was like, hold up, that didn't make make sense. Hmm. Yeah, they won in 2017 because that's when they went to the um they played Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl and they got beat up. You're right, you're bad. right. They beat they beat Stanford um <clears throat> in the Pac 12 championship. Yeah, I don't know what the hell Kyle Whittingham's talking about. I will say that he's his evidence that they're going to be good this year is other people thinking they're not going to be good, which is how they continue to surprise is um, is kind of funny because he's basically just saying like, hey, why don't you guys learn your lesson? Like, stop underestimating us because this is how you end up getting your ass kicked. Yeah, well, like – how can you possibly say that? Well, okay. So my thing with what Kyle Whittingham said was, okay, you have to be able to recruit at a higher level in Utah. If you want people to take you seriously, 
you you can't be playing the underdog role. You know what I mean? Like if you're consistently playing the underdog, that doesn't work. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think his point is like we're not trying to play the underdog. You keep making us the underdog, and it ends with you getting your ass kicked. So like if you guys want to underestimate us again this year, then we're just going to come out and we're going to try to win the Pac-12 South for the third time in fourth years. Why not, why not us? Yep. Um, uh, and as I was looking at Pac-12 champions, I was looking at four out of the last five Pac-12 champions have lost their bowl game. Why do you think that is? Because it's you fresh off 10 conference games? Um. Uh, no, I think that Washington played Alabama, which was <laughs> a, a disaster. That was a mismatch. But I actually thought that they could have won the game. I thought Jake Browning played ex- exceptionally poor. Um, and, you know, USC, Ohio State, that wasn't close. It should have been better. And then Washington lost to Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, too. That game should have been um, – that I was at that game. Ohio State pretty much dominated the game. Washington kind of came back late. And then Oregon won the Rose Bowl. And then Oregon just did not show up, essentially, against the uh, – in the Fiesta Bowl this year against Iowa State. Turnovers all over the place. Um, so, you know – it, it's hard when you don't recruit at an elite level. You know what I mean? I, it's it's just difficult for people to take you seriously. And it also, um, like it, like how can you possibly win a national championship? Right. If one of your best teams who can consistently win doesn't have, you know, a ton of elite talent. I think that that's, another issue you know I me mean? yes and um, so now you have me you have me going back in the history of washington in bowl games and i don't know if you knew this but they only have two bowl wins against other power five opponents in the last 20 years what yeah because they just they just beat the two years Boy, ago beat the living hell out of Boise State out of Boise in the, in the yeah. Las Vegas Bowl. Their previous bowl win before that was in 2015 against Southern Miss. Um, before that, they were bad for a while. And then before that, they beat BYU in 2013. So their last bowl win against another Power Five opponent was in 2010, 19 to seven against Nebraska, and. The uh, the one before that, you have to go all the way back to 2000, where they beat Purdue in the Rose Bowl, 34-24. So they're due, I guess. <laughs> they're, yeah. One every 10 years, they're due. Yeah. <clears throat> they have. What's, what's wild is they have been, since 1990, they have been to five Rose Bowls, which has got to be really frustrating for University of Arizona fans. But oh, like, yeah. uh, that, like it, are they the only team that hasn't played in a Rose Bowl in the um, Pac-12? Okay, so Washington State clearly has. Oregon State, I'm not sure if Oregon State has, because when they won the championship, they played 
I'm sorry. Yeah, in 2000, they won when we split it with them. Um, they played Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl, and they beat the hell out of Notre Dame. So, Oregon State has um, played in the Rose Bowl twice. 1957, lost to Iowa, and a 1965, yep. lost to Michigan. Yep. That makes sense. <clears throat> Interesting. That, that genuinely makes me wonder if... Because I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Colorado would have ever even had a chance to play in the um, in the Rose Bowl coming from the Big Twelve. Um. Oh, that's a good point because it's always Big Ten, Pac twelve. Huh. So I'm checking. I'm checking right now. Uh, no, they have so Colorado has never played in a Rose Bowl. They have played in the Fiesta Bowl several times. Um 1982, they lost to Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl in 2001. Um I was on that team. Yeah, there you go. In front of 75,000 people uh down in what was the where was the game? Tempe? Um yes, it was in Tempe. <clears throat> I caught so, a, I caught one pass for five yards in that game and had a torn hamstring still. But uh, that was an excellent game. But that that game, honestly, is source of a lot of bitterness for me because we were number two in the AP poll and the USA Today poll. But then they put Nebraska because they had a Heisman Trophy winner in the, the, the BCS magical formula, had them at number two despite us being number two in every single poll. Yeah, I see. I'm seeing that AP two coaches two BCS four. <laughs> yeah. And then That's they got funny. beat and, and they had just got beat. Uh, Nebraska had just got beat 63 to 36 in the big 12 championship. And they made, and they made the against Colorado and they made the bowl game. I was like, what? And then, how does, then you how get a three possible? touchdown win over Colorado, which is ranked ahead of you in the BCS. Yes. Man, how I remember that. that. Yeah, BCS was a joke. And then Nebraska got their ass whooped. Yes. So you're saying, so are you're saying that you deserved, you deserved Miami. Yes, we deserved Miami. Would you have beat that Miami team? That was a serious team. That was, that was a fantastic team. I, why not us? Why not us? That is, that's all I'll say. Okay, Kyle, some Kyle Whittingham. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, spring ball is in full swing for all the teams right now. Except, um, has Arizona State finished yet? Yes, they were the first to play their spring game. Yeah, they always start super early, so the coaches can go out and recruit. Uh, players from every single state that they're not going to get, but um, <laughs> okay, and 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 give out five hundred offers, but yeah. Um, oh, so, okay. Do you think they're closer to five hundred or four hundred right now? Because I think you're, I think you're exaggerating. I think they're Thank closer you. to four hundred, but they're probably going to get to five hundred. That's that'd be really funny because I mean they've got to be I I would have to go back and find out like what the record is I I would have to think that they've offered more people in 2021 than any Pac-12 team in history. Would you 
Would you say that? I mean, there was a couple of years where Oregon. Of course was, they off, dude. Yes. They're offering more than any team in Pac-12 history. It's not close. So how many offers have they put out this year? Okay. Um, for the year, this can't be right. Something must have got what? cleaned up because they were close to, according to Rivals, t- class of 2021, they are currently offered. Oh, that's 2021. We're looking at we're looking for 2022. Oh, oh, oh okay. So how many? 20, did 2021, they offer 320, 2021, 324. Okay. <laughs> 2022, 399. The next offer to a 2022 prospect. I'm going to tweet that out. The next offer to a 2022 prospect will be the 400th. Dude, that's sick, dude. 400. There are only 25 spots. You're offering 400 kids. Uh, yep, casting cat casting a wide wide net and then as soon as one of them commits, <laughs> uh, you'll they'll they'll take the commits and then all of a sudden they'll be like, "Oh yeah, we 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 have to drop kids." Stupid. But in the anyways. age of the portal, in the age of the portal, 400 offers is that's wild. <laughs> Yes. But since you're since you're since you're being a hater, uh, Oregon has offered 231. That's still ten times more than you can take. That sounds like a reasonable number for a team in the Pacific North Northwest. And considering that you know probably thirty of those offers are committable, you know, and you know. We shall see. Uh, University of Washington, though, they got some terrible news, some absolutely terrible news. Uh, Their best player on their team, the dude who led the nation in sacks per game, uh, ZTF, uh, is Zion Tupaluau. Wait, how do do I say say his name? Tupaluau. I'm going to let you hang with this one. I'm interested to see where this is going. Zion Tupaloa. Tupuola. Yeah. Tupuola Fatui. Tupuola Fatui. No, no, no. That's actually pretty, pretty easy. I played with Chris Fuamatu Ma'afala, and I got that one pretty easy. Um, <laughs> but it's different when you read it than when you hear it, though. At least it is for me. Oh, that, so yeah. Jimmy no, the, hy- the hyphen said, throws me off for sure. Um, Jimmy Lake said his return timetable is six to 10 months. And then they were like, yeah, the best case scenario is for him to return, uh, by the end of October, just in time for the Oregon game. I was like, listen, slow down six to 10 months. I, if any responsible doctor, they're not going to let you be out six months with an Achilles injury and then step back in and immediately be playing. Like, actually, a doctor may let you do it, but it, but, but if you're ZTF, you're like, mm, nah, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll see you next season, player, because I, this is it. He's a first round NFL draft prospect. I'm not coming back just to, just to quote unquote help the team and potentially jeopardize my future or put out some bad film because I'm not a hundred percent healthy. No way, buddy. I will. Th- I would. 
I would be willing to bet there is about a 0% chance that we see him anytime before before a bowl game, if that even happens. Well, then Achilles, Achilles, I feel like, is not an injury we see too often. Um, That's a year, dude. It's a year. It's a year, but I'm trying to think of some of the famous Achilles injuries in pass rushers. You got Terrell Suggs, I guess. He yep. t- he famously tore his Achilles playing basketball. Um, playing playing pickup or actually like men's league basketball, like men's church league basketball in Arizona. Um and and he was pretty far along in his career when that happened. I think he was that was 2015. He came back, had eight sacks the next year, 11 the year after that. Um, so, I mean, you never know. Um, it, it, you know, as long as yeah, health is the only thing that really matters. Um, do you think we'll ever see him in a, in a Washington Huskies uniform ever again? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we see him uh, not for this 2021 season. I think we see him in 2022. You don't think he just focuses on training that's, and declares? He's put he put some good stuff on. Oh, that's entirely possible, dude. That's entirely possible, and that may be his move. Like that actually may be the the option that he takes. He's like, "Yo, I've put down some good film. Let me focus on getting healthy. I'll put up a good pro day. They've seen all my film. I saw how opt outs were received this year." Yeah, this is this would be no different than what Joey Bosa did, or whichever Joey Joseph, whichever one at Ohio State, where he played a grand total of like thirty seconds, and there was a number two overall draft pick. Um, do you what do you think of him as a prospect if he does decide to come out? Because George Heath, this is a big ass linebacker. Like this is. Yeah. This is to the point where it's like, is he even a linebacker? The no, school listed him as 271. The, you, so you think he's like a 3-4 edge like Suggs? Yes. Yes. 6-3-280. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, they'll 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 slim him down slightly and then or they'll or they'll put him in, as a 4-3 and put his hand in the dirt. So he'll either get down to like 265 or put him at leave him at 280 and let him play in a 4-3 at defensive end. I uh I hate injuries so much. Um was really looking forward to it. Well, I I I considered him a top 5 returning player oh, in the Pac-12. You you had to, dude. He was dominating. He was dominating. Yeah. So this is a huge blow, truthfully, to to Washington because they have had so many defections from the team out of the wide receiver room. You don't know exactly what's going on with this team at all. So, yeah. So, I don't know. Um, uh, though, we will see a bunch of transfer quarterbacks potentially starting in the Pac-12, though. This year, we got Charlie Brewer at Utah, transferred from Baylor. 
And it looks like he may start out there because um, what's his name? You Cameron Rising. He got Cam hurt Rising, last yeah. year. He didn't and have a tra- chance to play in spring either. Yeah. So and then so Charlie Brewer, who's been a starter, comes in, gets basically no competition in the in the springtime. He'll know the offense coming in the fall. I I think that it's his job to to lose at Utah. So and then you have Jared Garantano who transferred from Tennessee up to Washington State. I do not think he is the best quarterback on that roster, but we we have to remain we have to keep an eye on that roster to see if the best quarterback will remain on that roster. Can you do me a favor? Because I know that you, you and I wanted to talk about Colorado's quarterback situation. Can you can you Google this for me? I want to see if your Google results and my Google results are the same. Because I'm okay. about to take up issue with with Google.com. Okay. Um, just Google Colorado football roster and let me know what you see on the top row. Because usually when you Google a, a, a college football team's roster, you get a bunch of um, – photos from like the official team site or action shots of of the players yeah oh, oh, oh at the very top yeah yeah <clears throat> what's the third one on your end levante chenault and is it a picture of him in a football uniform no it 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 looks like a mugshot it is a mugshot okay so we're seeing the same thing i google colorado football roster and it has Antonio Alfano, who I think did he leave? Yep, he left Colorado. Okay, Sam Neuer, who is I think hurt right now, and that's who we're talking about. <laughs> and then Levante yeah. Chenault's mugshot. Why? Why do they do this? They're the most famous people from from the team. Okay, are you, but are you telling me there's USC no picture of Levante fo- Chenault? There's no picture of Levante Chenault not in a in a police station? Well, I think they pull what's most relevant to uh, them. Okay. So I I did USC. I did USC. I got Keaton Slovis, Talano uh, Hafunga, Drake London, and Elijah Griffin. Okay. That's reasonable. They're all in football garb. Um, Oh, I did UCLA. Guess, Guess who I got? Okay, hit me with I it. got Jerry Neuheisel first. <laughs> what? Yes, in his football uniform. Jerry I got, Neuheisel? Yes. I yes, got so do Ju- I. Yeah. Justin Dior Combs. Puffy's kid, who has not been on the team yep. since Puffy tried to fight Sal Alosi. Well, tried to murder Sal Alosi with a kettlebell. <laughs> yes. Um, Dietrich Riley. Bro, they got not in football. Who is Steven Manfro? (laughs) It's a oh, there's there's another man Manfro. I'm somebody. Um, Okay, so let's see. This is a 28 year old man. Steven Manfro (laughs) was a running back. All right, Oregon went C.J. Verdell. Okay. Currently Cyrus Habibi Habib, Likio. No longer with the team. Yeah, but but he was on the roster last year, so that's reasonable. Eric Dungy. 
And then not even a picture, but a jersey of Henry Cattleman, the walk-on place kicker. Who's the kicker now? (laughs) At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift. And danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Okay, so I just did Arizona State's, and the and the here's the players that appear across the top: Jaden Daniels, current quarterback; Jordan Clark, Ryan Clark's yep. son, current corner; Rashad White, uh, running back; Chip Serafin, the offensive lineman uh, who was a, a walk-on, I believe, who came out as gay and was the first openly gay. Uh, NCAA roster player, um, Michael Eubank, who famously lost out on the uh, quarterback competition to Taylor Kelly and Mike Bergovici, and Jackson Hood, who has not been on the team in seven years. This is uh, I, I don't know, uh, I don't know what okay. Google's algorithm is doing here. So I did Washington, right? Right. Washington gave me ZTF. Okay. Elijah Molden. Okay. Two two for two, right? Right. Then they gave me Nick Montana, <laughs> who is Joe Montana's son, who hasn't been up been up there in like three three hundred Sundays, probably. Um actually long longer than that. Uh and Cole Sager, who is a 31-year-old CrossFit athlete. Dude, our podcast consistently devolves. Derails? <laughs> no, I, I just can't stop now. I, University of Arizona has, has like, the five of the first six are no longer on the team, including Devontae Neal. Uh, yeah. What, what is the point of even having this if it's not going to be updated for years and years, but also why have somebody's mugshot? Somebody at some point had to make a choice. No, that's just what Google uh, has done because they've 
calculated it so many times because apparently there aren't enough articles about these these people. Like if I go um, LSU football, right? Yeah. They give me Max Johnson, who's a current quarterback, Derek Steely Jr., current player, Clives Edwards, Elaire, and then Keenan Dunn, whoever that person is. So yeah. Well, I mean, Utah's Utah's number one result is Sharif Shaw Jr. Do you remember him? No. He's twenty seven now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh and Cooper Bateman. I this is this is too much. This is a, a nice little thing we've discovered here. I will say that like there's got to be someone we can email to just be like, Hey, um, Chenault plays football. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So I guess now we can get back to what we were talking about. I don't remember Um, what we were talking about. We were, we were talking about spring Colorado, Colorado's quarterback situation. Yes. Okay. So Colorado had Sam Neuer last year. He played really well. Um, but University of Tennessee quarterback J.T. Shrout transferred in. And they seem to think that he has a really good shot at supplanting Sam Neuer uh, because Sam Neuer has been out for, for spring and Shrout has looked really good. So you could have – you could technically have a lot of the Pac-12 uh, – have transfer quarterbacks come in and take over. Because if you look at University of Arizona, Gunnar Cruz has an opportunity to potentially supplant Will Plummer. Um, And then you have JT Shrout. And then you, you, uh, Jared Guarantano at Washington State, um, I think has a pretty good opportunity, right? From what you were telling me. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, what what do you think of that? That, is it good for the Pac-12 to have quarterbacks from the SEC and from other parts of the country looking at the Pac-12 and saying, like, oh, I can I can definitely play over there? Uh well well, yeah, because the they've already taken some of the Pac-12's best quarterbacks. Look at look at let's look at the college football playoff from the last year. Who were who were the teams? Um Oklahoma. Hum, where's their quarterback from, Ralph? Arizona. Arizona. Oh, Pac-12 footprint. Uh, Clemson. Who's their starting quarterback now? DJ Uyagale. Well, oh, he's from California, from St. John Bosco. Mm. Oh, who's the starting quarterback at Alabama? Bryce Young and Mac Jones before him was leaning heavy toward Arizona State. And decided to stay in SEC country. Oh, nice. Okay, he's from modern modern day. All right, um, right in right outside of LA too. Oh my God, who's the quarterback at Ohio State? Jack Miller, potentially. No, well, or either either him or CJ Stroud. Both of them are are Pac twelve footprint guys. Yeah. So the, the the teams are leading their teams to the Pac-12 to the college football playoff with Pac-12 quarterbacks. So and now we have to take their 
their bounce backs. I don't. And like don't it. forget to don't forget Purdy. Got to bring him up at every every occasion. That not only did every Pac-12 team miss out on him, uh, he didn't have a single offer <laughs> until after he he was finished playing high school football. And now he's uh, uh, resurrecting Iowa State football. I don't even know if it counts as resurrecting. Were they ever good? No. Uh, I guess they had some. They had some hot moments for a minute, but yeah. Um, the next thing up though is um, uh, Ralph found a stat that was on one of the Pac-12 uh, Twitter sites. You know, people tweet at, tweet out stats and all of that. And over the last four years, um, the most interceptions in the Pac-12, it just so happens to be the Oregon Ducks with 57. And I think they only got one all of last year. (laughs) Um, And that's ranked eighth nationally. Utah second with 50. And then it goes Cal, Washington, ASU, Arizona, Stanford, Washington State, USC only with 38 in the last four years. That sounds like some defenses that don't take away the football. But the dead last is Oregon State with only 23 interceptions in the last four years. What does that say to you? 50, first of all, 57 is a lot. 57 is a, is seven more than second place. So, I, yep. I mean, I don't know what Oregon's up to. That's wild. That That's crazy to me. Um, I mean that that's certainly a testament to how the defense has been has been run and how how opportunistic that they've been. But um, Oregon State averaging five takeaways through the air the last four years is not surprising when you look at where they've had to go to actually get the talent that they've gotten. Like the, what they're. Do you mean? Junior college, they're having to hit JUCOs. They're having to convert wide receivers. Yeah. I remember um, T- Timmy Hernandez out there wasn't he? He was a converted wide receiver. He's one of their best corners they've had over the last few years. They had to flip Mason Moran from quarterback to uh, to safety. They've had to. Um, they have the two brothers that that were both from the last season of um, last chance. You right the the California season. Um, that both went to that JUCO. They're not. They are not able to attract talent in that defensive backfield. And I. I don't know. I'm not sure what they're going to have to do to to step it up. The opportunity is there. Cal figured it out a few years back. It was just get as many players as you possibly can, and the cream will rise to the top. I think Arizona State followed their footprint when they were dead last in um, in 2016-2017. Uh, you know, I think that that was, um, that was a, uh, a big step forward for, for them, you know, what, what is it going to take for Oregon state to do the same thing? Yeah, I I think it's going to take a lot for Oregon state to, to, to do it, but they're on the right track. Jonathan Smith is doing a fantastic job over there with that team right now. Um, uh, that kind of leads us to the NFL draft. So Ralph had a question. Uh, what was your question? Well, I just I, I think it was Felton versus 
Right. Okay. So I <laughs> I was going to dip into the whole Panay Sewell thing again um, because I'm in Charlotte now and on the front page of the sports section last week, the Charlotte Observer, they're like, Panay Sewell could totally slip to number eight. Um, and I was like, I swear to God, if that happens. Slow like, down. Slow down. Like, ha- how? Like, <sighs> yep. If that happens, I mean, people need to lose their jobs. Um, but no, uh, so uh, we, we we had all been all set up to interview Jim Nagy, the head of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Um, oh, you know God, I can't wait till we get him on, buddy. So we're just going to you're going to badmouth his sponsor? <laughs> Yes. Have him quit mid-interview. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I think they have a fantastic sponsor, and uh, <laughs> and anyway, one of the players that was a the absolute star of the Senior Bowl process was Frank Darby, and we've talked a little bit about um, him on this show. How, like, what a big enigma he is. He he's had a case of the the drops. He's a two-star recruit coming out of like New Jersey. One time, Iowa commit ends up at Arizona State. And they use him to run nine routes. And he had a couple of really big drops in his career. He had a few really, really big catches. But he was really known for bringing enthusiasm and just for being a workout warrior and an athletic freak. And then over at UCLA, you have Demetric Felton, who I believe they converted from wide receiver to running back when he finally made his big yep. impact this year and was probably the best offensive player in the Pac-12 South, if not the um, the, the Pac-12 overall. And so, in general, you know, yeah. You take you take those two guys and say, okay, we have one guy who's going back to wide receiver in the NFL, and we have another guy who had kind of a disappointing career at wide receiver, but flashed absolute brilliance and has a lot of the things that you would think any NFL executive would want. He's he's big bodied. There's a reason that they're talking about Devonte Smith slipping because he's only 167 pounds. Well, Frank Darby's like what, like two. 210 solid as a rock and yeah and, and is probably the second or third fastest receiver coming out behind Demetric Felton who is right up there with him yeah. who would you rather have George Demetric Felton or Frank Darby it, it's n- not even a question give me Demetric Felton it's not even close buddy he's versatile he doesn't drop the ball he can play running back he can do 50 freaking different things I want to see him go to, like, I wouldn't mind seeing him go to the Patriots. He would get used just, just phenomenally. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him go to, um, like, like I see him like a poor man's, but but like not very poor. Like I I should say not a not a not a poor man's, but like a middle class to upper middle class um uh McCaffrey. Cause Christian McCaffrey's or a running back Christian. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, Ed McCaffrey, a what a throwback. Yeah, he's a middle class version of Christian McCaffrey. He's Do you not, think, he, you know, what, so would you put him on Reggie Bush's level? In the NFL? In the NFL. No, because I think I think okay, so Felton runs extremely hard. He can run between the tackles. I don't think he's as, as explosive as Reggie, but that's the type of offense that I want to see him in with like Sean Payton or, you know, they, they already have Kamara there, but if Kamara weren't there, he would be perfect for what they're trying to do. 
100%. So I would take Felton. Who would who would you take? A, a limited guy who's going to be really strong and play special teams for you, it, you know, and you know, but but Darby's not going to be an NFL wideout. He's going to be an NFL special teams player. Oh, really? That's okay. So the Frank Darby thing's weird for me because I know what he's capable of, but he hasn't necessarily done it right. Um, and I think I think he'll he'll be somebody who potentially makes an NFL GM look like a genius. You got to have somebody you have to have a system in which the quarterback can put a lot of air under the ball. If you're going to make use of him. Um, I look at somebody uh, who's who's the Washington football team receiver that, that went off out of Ohio state, Terry, um, Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Terry McLaurin. I look at what Terry McLaurin's doing and I'm like, well, you could kind of use Frank Darby in that, in that way. If you could depend on him, to be able to learn more than one route and catch the ball consistently. He has the same physical That's tools. a lot of ifs, bro. That's a You're lot right. of ifs. You're right. You're absolutely right. It is a lot of ifs. Um, but I, I think that it, you, so you think if he went to Seattle that they wouldn't find a way to use him as more than a special teams guy. I think there's certain places where he could fit and make a serious impact. Hmm. You're right though. Maybe, I mean Felton, maybe. I think Felton is more the sure the sure bet. And I think Felton can probably do everything that Darby can do. It's just that I, I want to know what it is I'm missing. I covered Frank Darby for for three years, watched his high school tape and everything, and I want to know what makes a guy like Drew Rosenhaus say, hey, he had like two catches as a senior. I need to rep him personally. Um and then he goes know, to the Reese right? Senior Bowl. He goes to the Reese Senior Bowl and makes Drew Rosenhaus look like a genius. Yep. Well, hey, maybe they knew something, dude. Maybe they knew something. Um, all right. Uh, the next thing up. Um, oh, we don't have any new reviews, people. What the hell is going on? We don't have any new reviews and ratings. I think our you ratings went up. Off. You turn people off with your oatmeal raisin cookie take last week. Oh, speaking of that, though. So we didn't get any new re- reviews, but we did get people sending us a text to 818-293-7547. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so a uh, person said... Oatmeal raisin cookie cookies are just wannabe chocolate chip cookies. And also need a Ralph review of the money pit. Man, I don't think I can watch that movie. I just dude, don't think I can do it. you have to watch it, dude. Come on, Ralph. <laughs> I, I was about to make a very insensitive analogy, but like I... <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Would you, would you, would you tell somebody who's like suffering from PTSD, like, hey, you gotta watch Platoon. Like, you have to watch. Um, I, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I don't think that right now I can handle it. Just give me, give me <laughs> like a couple of months to get out from under the, like, to make it feel like this house isn't gonna just fall into a sinkhole. 
And then I will sit down yeah, and watch that movie when funny. I can breathe a little bit. All right. The last thing we have up is a dope viral tweet from Sabrina Ion about Sabrina INSQ. Um, it's at it's Luca. I retweeted it on my Twitter and I'll retweet it from the Pac-12 Apostles Twitter as well. The way we don't forget it. So this is about a. Okay, I just retweeted from the pack. So it says, this is a true story. I was in San Francisco a couple years ago and got to talking to our Uber driver. He was a friendly Romanian dude. He asked me about work and we started talking ball. He told me his daughter was going to play college basketball. She must be good, I said. He turned to me and raised a finger and said, no, she's not good. She is the best. I'm from the Balkans. I've been around proud Eastern Euro parents my entire life. They are people who always have the best everything. I sort of laughed and was like, that's awesome, man. We talked hoops and a little bit longer and gave me his card in case I ever needed a ride somewhere. And he posted the receipt of it too. Uh, a couple years later, it turns out he was 100% right. She was the best. And it was from Dan INSQ. What'd you think about that? Insane memory. What would make you? What would make you re- remember an interaction like that? Like oh, I, dude, that. That's the thing. That Sam, because, I, see, see, I would have had the picture um, because I would have had the picture because. That's just how how I roll. Like I take pictures of things the way I don't lose them. I take pictures of receipts when I first get them, everything. So I would have had it, and then I it would have dawned on me one day, like, hold up, I ask you, is this the same dude? Let me go look, and then I would have looked, and then I would have been floored when it was the same thing. I think that that's just dope as hell. That her dad was an Uber driver. He's out there bragging about his daughter. And it turns out that that they were right. I mean, so her dad was basically like LeVar Ball. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe he remembered because he was not from San Francisco and because he works in sports. Yeah. Yeah, that could like be I, it too. I mean, because I just feel like if it's in your city and you take Uber every day, what would make you remember that one interaction? Um. But if you're if you are just in a city for the first time talking with an Uber driver for the first time and he happens to be um, and he happens to be uh, like interested in the thing that you're doing and then also has a kid who plays and is easily Googleable. But what my point is, I don't think this Luka Dukic guy. I think he probably has remembered the Dukic guy because if. If it was only a couple of years ago and he looked up Sabrina Ionescu, like she, there would have been a million would have been results even. This. Right. Right. That's so that's what yeah, I'm saying. True. Is he probably just kind of held on to the, He knew immediately she was very good. And then he held on to the story. Um, because a couple, yeah. I mean, if, if we're being literal, a couple of years ago is two years. And two years ago, Sabrina Ionescu was the best women's basketball player under age yeah, 22 true. in the world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so this is. And and he said that she was going to play. So this had to be like when she was going to go be a freshman. 
Yeah. I mean, this still it's still cool as hell. It's a really, really cool story. Yeah. And I just, the dad proud of his daughter makes it the best. Yeah. I love it. Well, you guys, that's another episode of the Pac-12 Apostles in the books. Did I miss anything? I'm sure. I'm sure as soon as we stop recording, <laughs> it'll like come out that they finally picked a new president uh, of the conference or whatever. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Peace out. Catch you guys next week for the NFL draft. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.